Well, good morning, River City. It is good to be with you. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Uh, thankful to get to worship God with you guys this morning. Uh, looking forward to studying God's Word with you, opening it together as we uh, as we continue our series here, taking a look at the I Am statements uh, in the Gospel of John. And, and uh, we began our study a few weeks ago, taking a look at uh, at these I Am statements that Jesus makes about Himself in the Gospel of John. And began our study in John chapter. Chapter eight, and we saw how each of these, in each of these I am statements, what Jesus is doing is he's deliberately and emphatically claiming that he is God, that he is the great I am, that he's the same God who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush and who commissioned Moses to rescue his people out of slavery in Egypt. He's the that same God has now come in person in the person of Jesus to rescue people from the from their greater slavery to sin and to death. Last week, as we studied the first of those seven metaphorical I am statements that Jesus uses to describe himself, we, we saw how each of them reveals something specific about the kind of rescuer that Jesus is, about, about the kind of rescue that he brings, about the kind of freedom that he has come to usher in. And in John 6, we saw how Jesus, the great I am, claims to be the bread of life. And we talked about how uh, in that claim, what, he, what he's highlighting is that, that the reality that we all have a hunger that transcends our physical hunger. We, we all have a thirst that transcends our physical thirst. And we, we try to meet those deeper uh, hungers and thirsts, those deeper needs in all kinds of ways. We try to fill our spiritual stomachs with all kinds of different physical kinds of foods, but it never really works. It, it never really lasts. It never really satisfies. And instead, what we find is we keep getting hungrier and hungrier. That's what Romans 1 alludes to. And what we saw last week as we studied Jesus' claim to be the bread of life we saw that in revealing himself as the bread of life, Jesus is telling us that he is the one thing that can truly satisfy those soul-level longings in our hearts. You see, he doesn't merely have what we are looking for. In claiming to be the bread of life, Jesus is saying that he is what we are looking for. That, that, that relationship with him is the thing that fulfills the deepest, truest longings in our hearts. And that if we'll come in faith to him as the bread of life, then, then he will satisfy those deep longings, those deep hungers in our, in our hearts. But also that he will set us free from slavery to our unfulfilling desires. You see, Jesus is the bread of life. That was the first I am statement. This morning we, we continue on in our study and we're going to see Jesus uh, again with another I am claim. As we continue our series this morning, we're actually back in John chapter 8 where we kind of began everything. And what we're going to see here is that Jesus, the great I am, declaring himself to be the light of the world. And it's been my prayer this week that, that God would graciously continue to reveal the reality of who he is to us. And, and that as he does that, he would enable us to respond in faith to, to who he is so that we might be able to, one, to experience the rescue and the freedom that he's come to bring but also that we might live lives of joyful obedience unto him as we respond in faith to who he is and to all that he has done. And so to that end, let's pray this morning and we'll dive into our study in God's word. God, we are grateful for you. We are, we are thankful for the, your word that you would uh, keep it for us and give it to us so that we might know you. 
God, we just humbly ask this morning that you would, would graciously help us to keep seeing Jesus for who he really is, that you would enable our hearts uh, to respond rightly to, to your word and, and who you reveal yourself to be in it. God, keep us from just a mental assent, a mental acknowledging of what is true in your word, but but in, allow that to, trans, to transform our hearts and our minds so that we might be a people who not only think differently, but who live differently and, and who honor you with our lives and, and our and our actions and so god uh to that end we pray keep showing yourself to us god for for our good for your glory we pray amen amen well uh this morning we are in john chapter 8 uh beginning verse 12 here it reads this way when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees, they challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true, and I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And they asked him, Where is your Father? And do you not know me? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place of the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So, uh, just three main points, three three main sections of our passage, three things I want to highlight this morning in our in our brief time together. And so, uh, three things I think we see in our passage: we see a claim, we see a promise, and we see a response. So, a claim, a promise, and a response. Verse twelve uh, begins with the claim. Jesus claims. He says, "I am the light of the world." That's a claim that would have had massive connotations to anyone who heard him make it. You see, throughout the Bible, uh, light is closely linked with God himself. In Genesis 1, the very first thing that God creates is light. In Psalm 104, verse 2, God is said to be robed with light. In 1 John 1, 5, it says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Revelation 22, 23, it tells us that in heaven there's no need for the sun or the moon because the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And so here Jesus comes claiming not that he knows the light, not that he is a light, but that he is the light of the world, the source of light itself, that he is God. And this is incredibly important. You see, every other religion, every other, every other religion is founded by a guy who says he can point you to the light, that he, that he knows the way, that, that, that he has been shown the way. But, but Christianity is different because Jesus, the founder of our faith, he, he doesn't say that he knows the source he, that he knows the source of light. He says that he is the source of light itself. He is the source of truth. He sees what is true. He knows what is true. He declares what is true. Not, not that he knows about it, but that he decides it, that he is the source of it. It's an incredibly important claim that Jesus makes about himself. It's a unique claim. 
And if that wasn't enough, uh, what he claimed wasn't profound enough, uh, when and where he says it just adds to the magnitude of, of the claim that he's just made. You see, Jesus' words here in chapter 8, they're, they're in the context of the final days of a Jewish festival called the Festival of Booths, or the, the Feast of Booths. And it was a celebration uh, that the Jewish people had of God's care of the Israelites uh, during the years that they were wandering in the wilderness and they lived in tents or booths. And at night during that week, the, the priests would light these huge candelabras in the temple courts. And, and the glow from these lights could be seen all across the city. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. And, and the point of doing that, the point of lighting these huge candelabras, it was, it was meant to be a reminder of how in Exodus 13, God, uh, the, the account of how God led his people at night in the wilderness when they were, uh, and he, by appearing to them as a pillar of fire. You see, and in verse 20, it tells us that Jesus, that the words that he's speaking, that is claimed to be the, the light of the world, it, it's made from these temple courts, literally right where these huge candelabras would have been lit as a brilliant reminder of God's glorious and guiding presence, Jesus stands up and he claims that he is the light of the world. It's a, it's a connection that would not have been lost on the people who had heard it. You see, Jesus was saying that he was the divine guiding light that their celebration was always meant to remind them of. He was the light without which they would have been utterly lost, never to reach uh, the promised land of and relationship with God. You see, he is the light that not only reveals the ways of God, but he, who like that pillar of fire, is in fact the very presence of God himself now fully visible. You see, Jesus' claim is, it is unique, it is, it is astounding. You see, not only does he know the way to the, to the light, not only does he know the truth, he is the truth. He is the source of light itself. You see, but, but Jesus' claim to be the light of the world doesn't just reveal something about him, you see, it actually reveals something about us as well. You see, and that brings us to the second part of the passage. We, we, see, we saw the claim, but we also see in Jesus' words there's a promise. Verse 12 goes on, he says, Whoever follows me, they'll never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, without Jesus, the reality is that we are all walking in darkness, which means not only that, that we live in opposition to God and his ways, but, but that we can't even see that what we're doing is wrong. You see, we're just doing whatever seems best to us, whatever we think gives life and fulfillment. And we're just stumbling around in the dark trying to feel our way to whatever it is that we're looking for. But, but the reality of Jesus' words are they intended to show us that the reality is that we're blind to the reality that our desires aren't freeing us and fulfilling us. They're instead just enslaving us. They're, they're killing us. You see, Jesus' promise highlights the fact that it's only when Jesus, the light of the world, comes and shines his light on us that we'll be able to see the truth, the, the reality about the way things really are, about ourselves and about him. But the promise goes on and says that it's only by following him that we're able to walk out of darkness and experience the true life found by walking with him in his light. See, and that leads us to the, the last part of the passage. It leads us to, to the response. You see, the promise that Jesus makes is it's predicated on a response to who 
he claims to be. Verse 12, again, it ends, he says, whoever follows me, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, see, there's two ways to respond to Jesus' claim to be the light of the world. See, we can either accept it as the truth and follow him, admitting without him that we cannot see the truth, agreeing with the truth that his light reveals about us and about our sin, trusting in his saving rescue and submitting to his guiding leadership in our lives so that we might walk in the light, having him as the light of life. Or we can reject it as a lie and ignore him, continue walking in darkness and that's what we see the Pharisees doing here in, in the passage. They, they basically call him a liar who's, who's bearing false testimony. But the reality is that they, they just have chosen to refuse to listen. They, they've chosen to engage with his claim. They've chosen to reject him. In, verse, uh, in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, it actually, John explains the reality of, of these two different kinds of responses. The, those who would follow him and Jesus and those who would reject him and John 3, 19, 21 says it this way. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, John's saying that, that, that the reason that some people reject Jesus as the light of the world is because it, it, in his light, the truth about their lives and about their actions gets revealed. And the reality is that they like the darkness. They like their sin. They don't want to acknowledge it for what it really is. They don't want to admit that what they are desiring isn't fulfilling. They don't want to acknowledge the pain that it causes them or others. They don't want to admit the cost. You see, the reality is, is that coming into the light isn't easy. When you're woken up in the morning by a, by a blind that's been, that's been thrown open, it, it, it's, not, it's not fun. It's not, it's not a joyful experience. You see, coming into the light, it can be embarrassing. It can be costly. It can, it can be painful sometimes. But the reality is that Jesus is pointing out is that, is that, Embracing him as the light, embracing the light that he shines in our lives, it's the only way that we'll be able to have life, true life, both now and forever. You see, and the good news is that the good news is that God shines his light on us and he invites us to, to come into the light and to come clean so that not so that he might crush us, but so that he might extend his offer of life and of freedom and forgiveness to us. You see, the most astounding thing about the gospel, though, is that even when we don't come clean with God, even when, when instead uh, we're caught red-handed in our sin and the floodlight of the truth exposes us, God still extends his hand of mercy towards us. You see, just before these verses, there's, there's an account of a woman who's, who's caught in the act of adultery and she's brought before Jesus she didn't commit adultery, then go home and feel sick to her stomach and come clean. She didn't, she didn't confess. She was caught in the act. But instead of condemning her, instead Jesus shows her grace. And he calls her to a new life. A, night, a life no longer walking in darkness and in sin, but instead a life 
walking in the light. You see, God's grace and his mercy, they, they aren't overcome by darkness. Instead, instead, God's grace and his mercy, they overcome darkness. They overcome darkness in our lives. They overcome darkness in the lives of others. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. John 1 uh, begins by telling us that Jesus is the light of the world who has, come in, who has come into the world and that though the darkness has opposed it, it has not overcome the light. You see, the question to all of us this morning is how will we respond to Jesus? How will we respond to his claim to be the light of the world and the, the light that he shines on our lives how will we respond to, to his claim to be the light of the world, to, to be the God who not only is the source of truth, but who reveals the truth so that we might have life in him? You see, and again, there's only two responses. We can either accept him and follow him so that we might have the joy of a life lived in his life, uh, light of a life lived in his light both now and forever, or we can reject him and continue walking in darkness you see, for those of us this morning who have trusted Jesus and who has followed him, the invitation this morning is to continue to be a people who walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. To keep exposing our hearts and our lives to the light of Christ so that we might walk closely with him, but, but also so that we might point others to him. You see, it's easy to think that our sin, it, that it only affects us. But the truth is that our sin keeps us from reflecting the light of Christ uh, to those around us. Our sin clouds and distorts the mirror of our lives from reflecting the light of, of Jesus to, towards others. And so it's not only for our own life and joy that Jesus calls us to, to follow him and walk with him in the light, but it's also that others might have his light shown into their lives as well so that they might have his uh, light shined into their lives so that they might respond to it as well. You see, Jesus' claim to be the light of the world, it is a profound claim. And it comes with a promise, a promise of life lived with him in his light. But it's predicated on a response, a response to him. And so will we be a people who, who follow him or who reject him? And for our good and for God's glory, I pray that we would be a people who follow him. And so to that end, let's pray. King Jesus, we come before you this morning and we are thankful that you and your word reveals to us that, that you are the light of the world, that you are God who reveals the truth about all things to us. God, and we just want to confess to you that without you, we cannot see the truth. Without you, we cannot see what is true and right and good. Jesus, we, we cannot know it. We cannot live it. Ah, oh, Jesus, but you have come. You have come into the world as the light of the world so that we might see the truth, that we might know you as the truth, that we might respond rightly to you as the truth. And so, God, we pray that you would enable us by your spirit uh, not only to see you as the light of the world, but to respond in faith, uh, in, to respond in faith and obedience to follow you as the light of the world. God, uh, living in your light and reflecting your light to others. And God, so we, we just humbly say that none of that is possible without you. Without you revealing yourself to us, without you changing our hearts and shaping us and molding our character. Jesus, we ask that you would do that in us.
you would help us to see and respond rightly to you as the light of the world. God, for our good, for the good of our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers, but ultimately for your great glory in all the world.